Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live, a Christmas edition of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. And I have a great gift for you this week, a great guest that's going to be joining me. No Parker Fleming this week. He is off. We're recording on Monday night. Uh, he's enjoying the Spurs game as a fan. We're recording at halftime of that game. And goodness gracious, is LaMarcus Aldridge putting on a show. And the young Grizzlies are as well to an extent. Not a ton of defense on the floor. Lots of offense, though. Uh, but recording at halftime here. So no Parker. He's enjoying the game. But I will be joined by a tremendous guest, friend of the show, a friend of mine from uh, 92.9, guest appearances and that sort of thing. I'm appreciative of the opportunities he's given me, but we'll bring him on here momentarily. Thank you for joining us as you perhaps travel to wherever you're heading. Uh, listening to a podcast is one of the best ways, I'm told, to uh, pass the time. So thanks for making GBB Live a choice of yours or if you're just listening uh, as part of your prep for Christmas. Uh, thanks for being with us. Ways to get in touch with the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. I am the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. You can follow the site on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. A ton of great articles up just this past week. We're going to talk about a few of them here in a little bit throughout the podcast. And then finally, you can follow the blog or excuse me, the podcast on Twitter at gbb live the best ways to get in touch with the show make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, spotify stitcher essentially any way that you can get a podcast you can get grizzly bear blues live as well as the core four and the three and d podcast we're establishing a nice little network of shows over at sbn grizzlies that's grizzlybearblues.com I'm joined this week by a friend of mine. I'm fortunate to call him a friend at this point. He does remarkable work over at CBS Sports. But if you listen to this podcast, chances are you're more familiar with him from his work with 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis. Uh, he's a college basketball columnist for CBS Sports. He's also a TV analyst, but he's the host of the Gary Parish Show on 92.9 fm in memphis espn memphis he does a great job over there i'm fortunate enough to be on his show every wednesday i'm guessing i have this wednesday off because it's christmas but i'm sure we'll pick back up here in the next week or so mr gary Parrish, how are you doing tonight sir i'm excellent i'm uh i'm home for the holidays with no radio and that means i uh volunteered to allow my wife to be at her store today. My wife owns a children's store. I said, listen, sweetheart, you go just focus on the store today, focus on any last-minute Christmas shopping, and I will stay at home with the three children, the three children being age 16, age 5, and age 3. And I will tell you, I have never been more worn out in my life. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I often look at my work schedule and wonder, how, how do I do that? Or how am I going to do all of that? tomorrow because I have a lot of different jobs and they require um, a lot of hours, but I, um, it, it is way easier to just work than it is to be the center of attention of, for three children um, all day long. I have an incredible amount of, of respect and admiration for the stay at home moms and the stay at home dads who, you know, really do dedicate their lives to just trying to be a 24 hour parent because as much as I love my children, I could I could not do it. I would not be able to 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 spend seven days a week like that. You and I have a lot of common in that way. Uh, I, I don't have nearly the hats that you do, but I'm a teacher by trade. I'm a head football coach as well, and I run the blog. So I do a lot of different things too. But today, because uh, we're keeping our daughters uh, home from daycare, uh, similar situation. Mine are four and one, 
And it was daddy daycare with me today as well. And I am exactly the same as you. I am pretty worn out. Um, they, they demand a lot of energy, a lot of time, but it, it's the best kind of energy and time. So I know uh, we're both worn out, but we're both thankful for the opportunity to spend that time with them. There's no question. Again, it, it is exhausting, but you also have these moments throughout the day that, um, that you'll never get back. I mean, we are, we're done having children. So like every day that, um, you know, every, with every new day is, is a, a, a day where I'll never have a child as young as I currently have a child, right? I, I, I have a three, three-year-old right now, but as soon as he turns four, I'll never have a three-year-old again. As soon as he turns five, I'll never have a four-year-old again. And obviously all parents go through this, but I'm, uh, I, I think maybe I'm more aware of it because there was such a gap between our first child and our second child. You know, we had an only child for like 11 years. And so it really has allowed me to, to, to try to cherish these moments because you, you quite literally will never get them back. That's great perspective to have. And it kind of leads us into our first topic here. Uh, nice segue there. It's almost like you do this for a living. Uh, Taylor Jenkins probably feels that way sometimes when he looks out at his young team and he thinks, oh, my gosh, I'll never have them this young ever again. If he if he's lucky enough, hopefully he is uh, to stick around for a while. Uh, the Grizzlies are extremely young. That's been well documented. We've talked about that on your show. Uh, we've talked about it at grizzlybearblues.com a ton. But we had an interesting conversation this past Wednesday and it, on, your, uh, on your show on Wednesdays in Memphis, and it actually led to an article over at grizzlybearblues.com today uh, by our own Brandon Smart. Shout out to Brandon for uh, getting engaged these past couple of days. Uh, it's titled The Grizzlies Youth in History, and it talks about how for the first time since the Oklahoma City Thunder over a decade ago, I would be willing to bet that the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be sending three players to the Rising Stars Challenge over NBA All-Star Weekend because I'm pretty sure it's the first two years or so that those players are eligible. So you have Jaron Jackson Jr., who is essentially a larger Steph Curry at this point, or Clay Thompson, apparently, uh, in terms of his way of scoring the basketball from beyond the arc. You have John Morant, who's electrifying and almost ended Kevin Love's career, and Kevin Love acknowledged it on social media. And then you have Brennan Clark, who's only posting one of the most efficient rookie campaigns, if not one of the most efficient NBA campaigns in, in the modern era of the NBA. So you've got three guys who all make the future look awful bright in Memphis. Our question of the day, Gary, was which of the following players will most likely represent the Memphis Grizzlies at the 2020, it should have been, NBA All-Star Weekend as part of the Rising Stars Challenge? I... Uh, I posted John Morant, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr., and all of the above as the choices. I voted all the above, and that finished in second by a narrow margin, thanks to the almost 300 folks that voted in the poll. John Morant won at 47.9%, but all of the above was 47.3%, and I think that's where the smart money is at this point. I don't know if you would parlay that in Vegas or something like that, but I think all three of those guys have a chance to be among the very brightest stars of the NBA's future. And in turn, that makes the Grizzlies future that much brighter. No question. Um, first to answer the question, I, I think the right answer is all of the above. I, I, I don't understand any argument against any of those three players um, being in, in that game, given the requirements to be in that game. I don't think you can fill out the rosters with better people completely um, than, than those three players. I, I would say that on your first note, like when I, when I say I, you know, I'll never have, uh, children this young again every day for the rest of my life. I mean that in kind of a, a sort of sad way. Like you know, I'm that like my little my 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 little my littlest boy. He just turned three last month, and so he's 
he does these little you know he's so innocent and cute and funny and and, and um inquisitive and he does things every day that i just i wish you could just bottle it up because you know that someday you know like i've got a 16 year old right now who like would just assume he's just a typical 60 he's a great 16 year old but like, you know, your three-year-old loves you more than your 16-year-old does. At least your three-year-old will show it more than your 16-year-old does. Now, maybe when your 16-year-old's 32, he gets back into it a little bit. But the, the three-year-old show is, is just all these little perfect things. And I go, ah, you know, I, this is going to be gone someday relatively soon. When Taylor Jenkins looks at his young team and says, I'll never have a team this young again, I would assume he's happy about that because sure. I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to win NBA games with my with my young children, whereas he's being asked to win NBA games with 20 year olds as his stars, and and that is obviously not an easy thing to do. So for me, it's a little bit of a sad thing for Taylor. I would assume a, a happy thing, but those young guys, um, they've been terrific in different ways. You know, Brandon Clark and John Morant right now have the number one and number two player efficiency ratings uh, among rookies. I mean, the two best rookie PRs belong to the two Grizzly first-round picks. And by the way, and you, I'm sure you know this, it's Brandon Clark one, John Morant two, not the other way around. Brandon Clark Absolutely. also last year, last year in college basketball, he had the number two PR behind only Zion Williamson. So perhaps this shouldn't be too big of a surprise. It is why so many people thought the Grizzlies were brilliant to move up and get him on draft night. And then, um, you know, Jared Jackson Jr. is, is one of the best second-year players in the world. Um, you know, maybe he's not Luka. Maybe he's not even Trey Young. But, again, I don't know how you fill out the rosters for that game and not have three Memphis Grizzlies on those rosters. Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at basketball reference right now. Going by their PER, Brandon Clark's blowing John Moran out of the water. Uh, it's 22.9 for Clark and 18.5 for Morant. But to your point, uh, just on the Grizzlies in general, they're number one in three. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas having a 20.3 PER, and then it's Ja and DeAnthony Melton, another one of the young players on the roster. It's pretty amazing to look at all of these young guys, you know, in the top five uh, of PER, and it's an imperfect stat like most of them are, but I think it's worthwhile in terms of discussion. Jonas Valanciunas is the only one over the age of 25. You know, it's pretty amazing. And you and you could actually it's over the age of 24 because it's Valanciunas at 27 and then Brandon Clark at 23. The the youth movement is very real in Memphis and obviously uh, that's been pretty obvious to this point, uh, redundant there. But when it comes to those three guys, they all bring something so different to the table. You know, obviously Morant being the explosive, flashy guard, uh, Clark being the steady presence off the bench. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that's where he stays or if his role changes in the years to come. And then, of course, Jaron, it, it almost as if he's comfortable being in that secondary role behind the flashier star jaw. It still feels like a 1A and 1B kind of thing to me, but it's definitely merging to the point where it's becoming – it's still both of their teams, but I think Jaw is the guy who's going to get the headlines moving forward, obviously because of his highlight plays, and Jaron's going to kind of be the NBA Twitter darling that everybody says oh look at his defensive rating and this stat and look at how he is so solid at protecting the rim and then everybody else is going to say oh yeah well watch jaw almost destroy kevin love you know what i mean like it's almost like if you can merge the two of them they would be the perfect nba player to market uh but obviously that's not the case memphis has both of them uh but it's really kind of interesting to watch them kind of take these roles on on the on the roster almost naturally 
Yeah, I, I think I agree with, with every word of that. Like, Jaron is, I think, living up, for the most part, to expectations, maybe even exceeding them in some people's minds. And yet, Ja's the star. I mean, it, it's undeniable already. I, I, in fact, I would argue, and uh, you, know, you, you might have a better grasp for this, so I, I feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think Ja Morant's already getting more national attention than any Grizzlies player in history. I think that's fair to say. Absolutely. I mean, he's definitely the flashiest. He's the most athletic. Uh, you could probably point to, you know, the antics maybe of of Tony Allen or or Zach Randolph here or there in terms of messing with Blake Griffin. But those were one-off occurrences. Like, it is a right. nightly thing with John Morant. He is becoming must-see TV just to see what he's going to do. I'd be willing to bet that there's somebody in the United States of America who turned on League Pass tonight with nothing else to do two days before Christmas just to see if John Morant was going to dunk on LaMarcus Aldridge. That's probably no, true, and you would not say that about the Grizzlies at any other point in their history. No, you're exactly right about the, you know, like the Tony Allen. We had the uh, first team, the uh, first team all defense moment, and and that gave us a bunch of little moments, but they were just sort of one off things because they were unusual things that or just funny things. Jaws is is just there for basketball stuff. It's because right. he's he it's Aaron it's the Aaron Baines dunk, it's uh, the Kevin Love attempt. Uh, by the way, like, why not put or at least ask if John Morant wants to be in the dunk competition as well? Yes. See if he, see if he could talk Kevin Love. Like that would be the winning dunk. Bring Kevin Love out and actually dunk over Kevin Love. I don't know if you could get Kevin to agree to be on the wrong end of a poster in a dunk contest, but <laughs> Ke- Kevin seems to have a sense of humor about it, and so maybe he could. You know, once you've won a championship and made five hundred bazillion dollars, maybe you're comfortable enough to. You know, let let people, uh, you know, to be on that end of that moment, um, considering you, you might actually, you know, be a borderline Hall of Famer someday. But either way, like Morant in the dunk competition is probably something somebody's going uh, to, to push for. He's just been amazing. And and here's the most amazing way to put it. And and I, and I apologize if I said this to you before. I know I've never said it on this podcast because I haven't been on since he, he – um, you know, became a member of the franchise. Sure. But less than two years ago, he was the third leading scorer on a Ohio Valley Conference basketball team. Less than two years ago. Now he's the leading scorer on an NBA team and the obvious pick for rookie of the year and showing all of the things that you would want a 20-year-old to show um, that when, when, you know, if you want that 20-year-old to soon be a legitimate NBA superstar. Um, I saw today where the Grizzlies, a Grizzlies upcoming game with the Rockets got moved to, to true national television. And I'm assuming that's obviously Houston's a big part of that. James Harden's a big part of that. But I'm assuming some of it's got to do with, with you know, let's see if we can get John Morant on TV right now. Because in the absence of uh, Steph Curry, in the absence of Zion Williamson, in the absence of Kevin Durant, I, I think you could reasonably argue, not best, but most enjoyable players to watch in the NBA, uh, John's got to be on that list somewhere already. No, you're exactly right. And I think that it's definitely them trying to take advantage. I'm sure they, they have people that make a heck of a lot more money than I do monitoring social media, monitoring the views that these highlight videos get. John Morant is somebody that they're probably looking at and saying, this is someone who can get us numbers when we need them at it's famously argued on nba twitter why the ratings are down there's a lot of things that go into that uh but i think the excitement of john moran can definitely maybe breathe some life 
into the uh, the situation that is NBA ratings. We're talking with Gary Parrish. Yeah, and I would say I, I think it works both ways. Like, hey, people are really talking. This guy's trending on Twitter. He's 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 made an impact on social media. Uh, let's put him on TV. You know, that, that's what they're doing right now. ESPN with Bronny James. It's because he's such a you know, famous. He's a famous basketball player that people talk about, people tweet about. So let's put him on TV and they get 14,000 people for the game and, and, and real ratings for it. So I think that there's some of that. I think it also works this way. The NBA is probably looking at John Morant going, whoa, boy. Like, you know, we might have a real dynamic highlight reel superstar on our hands. Let's make sure our NBA fans and casual sports fans are seeing him because to your point about league pass, I have league pass. You have league pass. Diehard NBA fans have league pass. Casual NBA fans do not have it. Right. They're only going to see John Morant if he happens to be available to them on free te- on on you know on regular television. And by regular television, I mean you know direct TV or sure. or, or cable or whatever. So I, I would imagine, yeah, the NBA on some level, television networks on some level, saying. Um, John Morant might be able, might be interesting enough to help us get a better number. But the other side is that even if he's not, he looks like a future star and is doing amazing basketball things. So let's put him on the biggest stage. Whenever we get an opportunity to do it and it makes sense, let's move him to the biggest stage we can move him to. I look forward to the inevitable rumors of him leaving in restricted free agency for the New York Knicks or LeBron James wanting John Morant traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, they're just going to try to put him in a bigger market. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, hopefully I'm still running Grizzly Bear Blues when that time comes. It'll make for good radio, too, I'm sure. Uh, by, 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 the way, by the way, as we're talking, um, I, I don't have the TV on. I've got the score up. I don't have the TV on only because I, I get distracted too easy. And I, so I just have to be focused on what I'm doing. Which I appreciate. Otherwise right. Otherwise, I'd get caught watching TV and not listening the way I should listen. But Megan Triplett, who works for Grind City Media, literally just tweeted, Ja got every single person on their feet up after that drunk. So he just <laughs> did something wild while we're talking. I'm sure we'll see it on Twitter very soon. Oh, man. We are very fortunate in that way. Thank goodness they didn't draft R.J. Barrett. Man, I dodged a bullet Ooh. with that one. Uh, we're talking to Gary Parrish, 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis's Gary Parrish, also of CBS Sports. Chances are you already follow him on Twitter, but if you don't, make sure you're checking him out at Gary Parrish CBS. Uh, he's a great follow. Uh, I chat with him every Wednesday over on 92.9. He does a great job covering college basketball as well as obviously Memphis sports with 92.9 FM. Uh, we talked earlier about how John Morant obviously drives the Grizzlies. There's an underrated player who drives the Grizzlies as well in terms of wins and losses. And it's possible it's a fluke kind of statistic, but a lot has been made of how the Grizzlies do when Dylan Brooks is the leading scorer on the team. Uh, Justin Lewis wrote an article in the past week for us when the Grizzlies, and this has been a few days now, so it might have changed. Uh, forgive me for not updating the stats, but the Grizzlies were four and zero in games that Dylan Brooks was the leading scorer, and it's something where obviously when John Morant scores a lot of points, Memphis wins more often than they don't. So the guards leading the way in Memphis, at least to me at this point, we talk about Jonas Valanciunas, how efficient he is, Jaron Jackson Jr. being the three-point marksman that he is, Brandon Clark, again, his efficiency uh, off the charts. Yet it looks like, at least in terms of basic wins and losses, 
the team goes as the guards go, and Dylan Brooks is actually a larger part of that than maybe fans want to acknowledge because his advanced statistics definitely are not very good. Like if you look at his win shares for 48 minutes going into tonight's game against the Spurs, he's 12th on the team. And he also is one of the leading minute getters on the team. In fact, he's second on the team in minutes played, yet he he doesn't have, like I said, the advanced numbers really don't jump off at you. But obviously he scores a lot. He's able to get his points in a variety of ways. It's frustrating when the ball stops with him. He's almost like an extremely poor man's Kobe Bryant in that way. But at the same time, when he's able to score, when the Grizzlies don't have any other offense going, he can kind of keep the the boat churning, so to speak, until a jaw or a Jaron or a Brandon, a Jonas, they get back into their groove. So obviously Dylan Brooks is a restricted free agent. I've written about it. Omari Sankova of The Athletic has written about it recently. He's going to be probably one of the top 20 free agents on the market, as crazy as that sounds. But it's true. There's not many wings that have the frame of Dylan Brooks, that can shoot the three at the clip of Dylan Brooks, that can score in a variety of ways the way that he can. And he's also still relatively young. He's 24, so his game can still continue to evolve and adapt. What is your take on Dylan Brooks on this Grizzlies roster now and moving forward? I don't love him as much as the people who like him like him. And, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the, the, the number you threw out, I mean, it's a fact. They're 4-0 when he's the leading scorer. The second part of that um, that I've um, read is that they're 7-0 when he scores at least 20 points. Well, okay, so there's, there's two ways to look at that. One is, man, when he gets at least 20 points, yeah, the Grizzlies win without exception at least so far this season. The other way to look at that is, he is a starting shooting guard playing 28 minutes per game on a high-tempo team, high-possession offense, and he's only scored 20 points seven times in 30 starts. Like, how good is that? Right. You know, that, that, like, yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not sure. His PER, and you mentioned this, his advanced uh, stats aren't good. Player efficiency rating is 12.31. That's 208th in the NBA. Again, he's a starter playing 28 minutes per game. His PER is 42nd among players ESPN identifies as, as, as shooting guards. And so I know, like you pointed out, that is a, a, a somewhat flawed number, but it is still a number people pay attention to. Like yes. If you look at the best PRs in the NBA right now, um, you know, it's, it's Giannis, it's LeBron, it's James Harden. Like the best players have the best typically, and his is, is really – really bad he's a 36 percent three-point shooter he's averaging 1.8 makes on five attempts per game so that's solid but i'm not sure it's great or even good he's 20th among shooting guards in three-point percentage among shooting guards who are taking at least four three-pointers per game and so i know that there's two ends of the court and he's probably a, a plus on the other end of the court and he has his moments on the offensive end of the court but uh, you know, like, I, I, I'll tell you this. If the Grizzlies become what we hope they're going to become as Ja and Jaron um, develop into hopefully stars and, you know, become 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds and 24-year-olds, um, if the Grizzlies become what we hope they're going to become, I am skeptical that, that Dylan Brooks will be a meaningful part of that. It doesn't mean he won't be on the team, but I'm skeptical that we'll look up and, and ever say the word, Man, if it weren't for Dylan Brooks, I don't know if the Grizzlies would be here right now. I'm a big believer that we have a lot of guys on this roster, and it's been true for a couple of years now. It's just in the opposite direction because of the youth movement. 
there are multiple guys on the team that are in roles that they shouldn't be on if they were on a good team. And Dylan Brooks is my exhibit A for that. I don't think Dylan Brooks is a starter in the NBA. I think Dylan Brooks is a reserve who gives you 16 to 20 minutes a night off the bench. And I think that on the next great Grizzlies team, which will hopefully be two years or so from now, he is going to be a reserve. Now, how much does that cost is the interesting question. I estimate it at about $10 million a year. And if they do another one of those descending contracts like they've done recently in free agency, maybe you give him $11 million this coming season and then $10 million and then nine, and it works its way down. The starting wings that are going to be Grizzlies on that next great team, I don't think are on the roster right now. Whether it's the NBA draft, whether it's restricted free agency, I still think that this is a long-term project. I think Zach Kleiman... Jason Wexler, all those guys obviously understand that. They've earned enough trust with me that they're going to be able to execute that. I see Dylan Brooks as a key reserve, almost like a sixth man on the next good to great Grizzlies team. He's a starter right now, almost out of necessity. I don't think he's going to be that long-term, but I do see him long-term in Memphis. Do you see a path to that too? Uh, certainly it's possible. I, I think ultimately it'll, it'll come down to the number. There's a number where it makes sense. There's a number where it doesn't make sense. And I will give the current front office credit. They seem to have a pretty good grasp for, for, for knowing what that number is. They've done a, a great job. And I say great, not good. Great job since taking over. Everything they've done makes sense. Everything they've done has a purpose. The way they've handled uncomfortable situations like the Andre Iguodala situation, I think is um, – is, is totally sensible and rooted in the best interest of the franchise. Nothing more, nothing less. Don't let emotion get involved. Don't let other people tell you what you ought to do. The way they handle the Josh Jackson situation, honestly. And I know that this, this is a place where maybe you and I don't, don't agree, but I, I think the way they've handled that is, is sensible. Like, um, let's, let's let him go be in the G League, um, and maybe we can develop him into an asset. And if we can, then, then that was worth doing. And, and we did it for basically nothing. And if we can't, then 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 that's fine too. He's just, you know, on our G League team, not really messing up anything. And so um, I, I, I'm assuming they'll approach the Dylan Brooks situation similarly. I, I will tell you, I, I wonder how it is to go from being a starter for a franchise and then being a role player for a franchise as you're entering your prime. Like it's one thing when you're in your prime, you start to decline. Now you have a different role. Uh, this would be a person entering his prime to the extent that he has a prime and, and having a lesser role for the exact same franchise. That, that, that can sometimes be tricky. Um, it, it's one thing you go to a different franchise and, and, and suddenly you're a reserve player there because the situation in general is, is better. But to, to get, and I know demoted isn't the way to think of it, but to agree to stay with the same franchise entering your prime, but then, you know, have you and I and other people talking about, but not as a starting shooting guard, we don't want you to be that, would be certainly not unprecedented, but, but, but I do think largely uh, un, unusual. But, but in general, our thoughts on Dylan Brooks are, are pretty similar. Um, I, I don't want to say he can't be a starter in the NBA because even great teams have, you know, questionable starters sometimes. Like, you know, look, look what the Warriors were, were starting, you know, even in – in, in last season when they were in the NBA finals at, at certain points. But, but I, I don't think he will ever be a, a quality starter for a good team. It, certainly he's shown me very little um, to make me think that at this, through this point in his career. Honestly, as, as 
you know, we're watching the Grizzlies right now. I'm not even sure I wouldn't want to take away some of those 28 minutes and give them to DeAnthony Melton. Uh, so if I'm willing to, to, to give, take Dylan Brooks minutes and maybe give him to DeAnthony Melton in certain situations, um, that means that, again, the people who like him a lot like him better than I like him. I'm with you on on uh, on a lot of that there. Obviously, Dylan Brooks, the, the ego thing is something you don't really take into account, but you should because and I know you're around high-level athletes all the time. In order to reach the highest levels of your sport, you have to think that you're the very best at what you do. Otherwise, you're not going to have that type of success. So I, I think you're exactly right about Dylan Brooks. You made an interesting point about Josh Jackson. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish up here with Gary Parrish. I want to finish. We're going to go off script a little bit. Uh, Josh Jackson, interesting point brought up by GP. So I want to finish up with that. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. We're finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. I'm joined by Gary Parrish. Gary, we got about 10 minutes left here. You made an interesting comment about Josh Jackson, and I'm actually in agreement with you. I think they handled it very well. But on the la- on two episodes ago, excuse me, on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, I had Anthony Sane, who does a great job with the Jason and John show, and Anthony and I go way back. Uh, you know, he's two and he and I are two of the the OG bloggers left, technically, uh, going back to like 2011 and 2012. But um, Sane does a great job with the Sports Illustrated Grizzlies Maven, and I know he's uh, covering the Grizzlies as closely as he ever has. He's completely against the Josh Jackson idea, and he and I actually had a pretty good conversation a couple of podcasts ago. His main argument is if you view the G League as a place where you can rehabilitate somebody as a place where you can teach them leadership skills. He doesn't see the value in that. I technically do. I think that it does good for him to be that level of a player on a team like the hustle, because there's accountability that can be enforced on him that maybe you can't do as much on the NBA level. And he just disagrees with that. We actually had a really good chat about it. So I'm curious as to what would be your time frame. Let's say you're Zach Kleiman, you're Jason Wexler, if you had a plan for Josh Jackson, would you? when would you bring him along? When is the line where you say, okay, Josh, it's your time to join the roster, or would you just kind of keep doing what you're doing and see how it plays out around the trade deadline, maybe an Equidala trade kind of drives home the point? Uh, what would be your frame of mind with when you would actually bring Jackson up to the Grizzlies? Well, I, I can tell you this. I think that they would much rather – somebody else value him and they can flip him for something then actually bring him up to the Grizzlies. I don't think their number one goal here is to make him a useful member of the Memphis Grizzlies. I believe their number one goal is for him to perform well enough that another franchise says, Hey, if you guys don't want to take a chance on this guy, that's fine, but we'll do it and let us give you something for it. That's what they want. Um, so I think that's more likely than him playing for the Grizzlies. Um, but again, everything's on the table. I will tell you, coincidentally, I was just out in Las Vegas. Um, I was there for the CBS Sports Classic, North Carolina, UCLA, Kentucky, and Ohio State. But the entire NBA was there as well because of the G League showcase. And I, I went to dinner on Friday night with a a group of people, some of whom, let's just say it's a a group that includes agents. It's a group that includes front office executives. And 
I will tell you that Josh Jackson's reputation is horrible. There are front office executives who told me they would never bring him into the franchise under any circumstances, that, that they actually think he, he will not return to the NBA. So regardless of what fans or even media members think of, of Josh Jackson, I am telling you his reputation with NBA people is even worse than you know. There are stories I could tell you that were told to me at dinner on Friday night that make you go, oh, wow, what? Oh, I'd never heard that one. I mean, there's like multiple stories where, and these are legitimate people. You know, these are NBA front office executives I'm with. And they're saying, oh, did you ever hear about the time he, boom, 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 boom. Oh, wow. No, I'd never heard that one. Jesus Christ. So it's a sad story because he's undeniably talented enough to be in the NBA. It's why he's making $8 million right now. But more than ever, I think NBA people, NBA executives are running a, are using a real scale of, you know, is this person worth it? And if, if they just think you're going to be a marginal NBA player, like a good but not great player, but you come with all of this stuff and you've never shown the ability to, to, to just be a decent walk-the-line person, they just fall on the side of it's just not worth it. And his issues date well way back before, um, you know, before he ever, you know, was drafted by the Phoenix Suns. They were just willing to overlook them because they thought the talent was, you know, the, 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 the off-the-court stuff gets downplayed. The talent is in your face. You say, all right, let's just take it. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll provide structure and guidance, and, and, and he'll be fine. But he wasn't fine, and he isn't fine. And the truth is he hasn't been fine for a while. I talked to an NBA person over the weekend who said, I heard all the stories about him coming out of Kansas, and I still came down on the side of he should have been a top-five pick. And yet it became very clear very quickly he shouldn't have been because of all the stories you heard about him before draft night. He's, um, I, I, I guess I'm not optimistic he ever plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I'll be surprised if he does. What percentage would you put it at? I, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but what would you, because this is going in an even direction, different direction than I thought it would, uh, what, what would you put it at, you know, odds that he ever suits up for the Memphis Grizzlies? 30% maybe, maybe even lower. I mean, li- listen, you can never say never because who knows if uh, a couple of wings get hurt and you're just like, well, listen, we got to put somebody on the court. We might as well bring him up and give the- this is the circumstances under which we give him a shot. Um, but um, all things being where they are right now, I don't think they, they, I don't think they want to do that. I-, I don't think when they made the deal with Phoenix, I can just tell you, um, because they told people I trust, um, downplay the significance of Josh Jackson. Oh, yeah, Melton was the focus. Not, yeah, they, they were like, listen, we're taking Josh Jackson because he, because it's part of this deal, but this is not, he is not the priority for us. He is not the motivating factor. He is not in our plans. And I don't think anything has changed since that day. In fact, they might have they actually gotten worse, even though he is performing in the G League. Um, I feel comfortable saying he hasn't uh, he hasn't done much behind the scenes to 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 quiet the skeptics or to alleviate the questions connected to him. 
the Anthony Melton in the second round picks that they got were always the main focus of that trade. If Josh Jackson worked out, it, it would have been icing on the cake. But as you said, there's always more than we actually know. And obviously we know that as fans and pseudo media members like me and we know that, but you don't know it until, like you said, even as somebody like you uh, as a CBS you know, insider for college basketball sitting at the table with those types of people, even you don't know those things until you're around those people that actually are in those meetings, in those conversations as their day-to-day professions. Gary Parrish, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate your time here a couple of days before Christmas. Uh, have a great holiday. Enjoy the time off, and uh, we'll catch up to you here soon. I can't wait to do it, and thank you for having me on. It's always a fun conversation. Absolutely. That's Gary Parrish. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at Gary Parrish CBS. To, thanks to him. Thanks to you for listening wherever you are. Make sure you're subscribing on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, essentially anywhere that you can get a podcast, you can get on to the Grizzly Bear Blues Live Podcast Network. Thanks so much for joining us. May you and yours have a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then, grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.